Hi, I'm Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Corner. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, the people who make it happen in the liquor industry around the world. So, let's get sipping. Today in my studio, I've got David Nivot. Welcome to Carrie's Corner, David. It's wonderful to have you with me. Hi. Yeah, it's always nice to chat to my girlfriend in Johannesburg. So <laughs> we've, we've just told everybody, for everybody's um, info, we've just told David's wife, reminded her that she shares David with me. He, he belongs to her and I and nobody else. David, I've caught you at a difficult time because I know that you're right slap bang in the middle of your harvest at Cedarburg. And I'm amazed when we chatted briefly earlier to hear that you are only just starting to harvest Shenanblug. So let me keep quiet and you give us a quick rundown to date of what you've done with your harvest in the Cedarburg. Yes, Carrie, it's, uh, it's one of those phenomenal vintages. If you normally ask a a winemaker, so how's the vintage? It's always better than the previous one. So at this stage, we must produce world-class wines. But I can really say 2022, what a bumper vintage so far. Um, definitely one of my top three white wine vintages of the last 23 years. Um, there's a few reasons for that. But um, we've been exceptionally busy for the. So it was quite a late start. We're about three weeks later than normally. I won't say later, it's probably just much more normal. Um, but we've been, it, we were used to like harvest much earlier. So there's a few advantages with um, late vintages like this. Is, yes. So we had quite a, a, a hot spell in the beginning of um, February. And I thought that last 10, 15 days before ripening of Sauvignon Blanc, I thought, well, this would be a disaster vintage. And because it's so late, the, the heat didn't affect whatsoever because we're quite high up in the Cedarburg Mountains, as you know. So it's the highest lying vineyard in Africa. It's 1,100 meters above sea level. So huge difference between day and night temperatures. And so we just start big sovioms the end of February. So which was in a much cooler spell, a much cooler period. And then March, we had the most amazing temperatures, um, huge difference between day and night. So most of the nights were under 10 degrees, actually, up in the mountains. It's amazing at this time of year. It's late summer, really. It shouldn't be under 10 degrees, should it? Monday, we had 1.5 degrees up at Cedarburg. So unheard of nice temperature. So it resulted in very long ripening period. So it's much better um, asset accumulation. So you will have much higher natural assets, which is fantastic, which is a much softer feel on specifically whites like Sauvignon and Shannon. But the, the big advantage is um, flavor profile. And um, so grapes is much more physiological ripe without high alcohols. So I describe these, this vintage basically, it's, it's not ripened by sun, it's ripened by time. So you must have patience for this vintage because you can't just think of obvious. I always joke and say half of Stellenbosch they want to be in Hermanus now in, in this holiday period. But this vintage is late. Eh? It is late. Take your time. Um, 
be gentle ripening and so we've just done sovions which is really rock star stuff i must say the ones from ghost corner down in cape Pagalas in elam where we've got the property so yes. those great transport everything up to cedarburg definitely the last super vintage like this i would say was 2009 probably 2018 and then 2022 so which, as i you mentioned we've just started with shannon uh, we haven't even touched any reds which is which is amazing so we yeah. will probably have a nice mid-april which is fantastic sure so it's the nature's making sure that my wine farmers are working for more than just two months of the year this year, hey? I must, yes, but Gary, we've worked. I must say, last week and the previous work week, I haven't worked like this in my life. We were like every morning out of the cellar and start at six. Everything was just at the same time. But it's, uh, we manage, I've got a very young dynamic team up in Cedarburg, so um, I'm 24 again. <laughs> And David, tell me the Semillon for Ghost Corner. What's that looking like? Again, um, I think I've done a lot of um, um, tastings of, of Semillon. So I think the other big vintages was my first one in 2007, um, which was amazing vintage for Semillon. And then 2018 and 19, but 19 was a great Semillon vintage. And this year, they, they're so aromatic. I've tasted their tanks, tanks. They are roughly halfway through fermentation. And they, they got so much flavor. And then Semillon is naturally got higher or lower natural acidity. But this year, it's done of any acid. It's 100% natural wine. So I foresee a great Semillon vintage. Well, I absolutely love. Do you vinify everything from a gullus? Do you track it all to Cedarburg and vinify it in your Cedarburg cellar? Yeah, people think, obviously, I'm absolutely crazy to do it, but it's all about the attention to detail and then about the end result. Yeah, I know you. There's things that you, you can't outsource that job, uh, specifically in that brand. It became the top Sauvignon Blanc brand um, of South Africa internationally, if yeah. I think of one of the men that got that best Sauvignon from the Southern Hemisphere. So those wines, it's, 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 it, we've got all the right equipment up in Cedarburg, so... We pick it in small crates, all hand-picked, and then we transport it in a refrigerated truck at 5 degrees Celsius. So it just arrived like 10, 11 o'clock at night, and you must still do the vinification during the night before the next morning, before the Cedarburg grapes arrive. It's your, it's your most expensive mistress, but she brings you lots of rewards, hey? So it doesn't matter if she visits you at midnight. <laughs> we, we love her. You love her. We all love her. David, um, things like downy mildew, you and I were chatting briefly about it. I've been chatting a lot to the wineries um, during the course of this vintage, and almost everybody has been hit by downy mildew somewhere along the line. Cedarburg not, hey? You're just too high up? Carrie, that's the massive advantage of this property because it's so so isolated, number one. There's no other vineyards in an 80 km and the radius around us and then extreme winter temperature so it's getting down to minus 6 minus 18 meter the extremes so we don't even spray for animal do it don't occur up in Cedarburg so I must say I haven't seen one rotten berry in 23 years on this property and that's that's part of the success in Sauvignon and Shannon from Cedarburg so no we were very yeah. lucky this year. 
And David, what's the reason for that? Is is it just that the temperatures are too cold for um, fungus or mildew spores to to survive? Is it too cold for fungus in the cedarwood? One of the things is uh, that minus two for longer than four hours in winter. But the main thing is isolation. There's no other videos around us. It's just pure 180,000 hectares of unspoiled nature. So we completely. Um, surrounded by Cape Nature, which is also a World Heritage Site. So there can never be any development up in Cedarburg. So, no, so it's just isolation mainly. No downy and no millibuck. Talking about the fact that you really are a lone ranger up in the, in the hills there, who bought that farm? Was it your father or was it you or your grandpa? Why are you stuck a million miles away from everybody else? No. When, when I always, when people arrive and I say, so, yo, where is this? I say, this is the road to heaven, eh? So you're on the right track. So um, it's amazing history of the devotes in the Cedarburg. So the first devotes came actually to the Cedarburg in 1779 already. So about 20 kilometers from here, they stole the original devote farm. And then one brother moved away to our neighboring property um, in 1835 and then two generations later another brother moved away where we are based today in 1893 so i'm the fifth generation yeah they they bought that land from the the twins and way back in 1893 and intention always to farm wine because i mean who goes and plants vineyard up in the top as highest point of the whole of the cape why would you plant a vineyard? It must be impossible to plow and plant and tend and carry on. It's very high up. Yes, I must say, a Stellenbosch farmer will never survive here, so I'm always teasing them. So that's the but it's uh, They farmed with tobacco and sheep for about 70 years. And then in the 50s, 1954, yes. my grandfather started planting the first fruit, apples and pears. And in the 60s, yes. table grapes planted his first wine grapes in 72. Um, from a suggestion from one of his mates at the KWV and made the first wine more as a hobby in 1977. But the focus was always on fruit production, much more apples and pears. And um, so I studied with the culture and technology, came back in 1998, and then we start changing everything 100% from fruit just to, to vineyards. We have amazing success. This, this place is, is carrying the, the amount of of soil, um, different styles in soil, in slopes, yeah. in aspect, um, cool continental climate, the disease-free. This is textbook vineyard sites, but it's it's isolated, which is, um, in my opinion, one of the big advantages as well. So it's our own wine of origin, Cedarburg wine of origin, and it's an area for light ripening cultivars. So that's why Cabernet and Shiraz doing so well up here because yes. they. You, you get great physiological ripeness. You've got this amazing tannin profiles on them. Well, for anybody who hasn't, anybody who hasn't tasted David's five generations range of, of wines, it's a treat that you have to keep for yourself and make a promise that before the end of this year, you are going to open a bottle of that Cedarburg five generations. I, some of my private customers uh, they don't drink anything else. Your five generations Cabernet is so extraordinary, David. It really is, in my estimation, one of the best red wines in the country. Yeah, that's um, that's eighteen. That's the one that won the decanter World Trophy last year, which was fantastic for South Africa because Cabernet is still one of those um, 
the rifles that specifically the US they criticize the South African camp caps a lot because mm. they say it's green, it's eucalyptus. And the reason for that, Carrie, is just ripening again. It's um, you must remember with virus infected Cabernet 20 years ago, Cabernet ripens two weeks later than today. So today, Cabernet ripens earlier. So it ripens in a much warmer period of the year as well. So you must pick otherwise the sugars and um, they're too high, but then you sit with grapes that not fusiologic. While we're speaking about difficult vineyards to manage, I wanted to chat to you briefly about Longavi because it's one of my loves. It's a vineyard that you are involved in. Well, it's a, a wine production house in Chile that you're involved with. And I'm not sure that many people know about it. Tell us about Longavi. Yes, you know, that's, that's, that's exciting stuff. If you see what's happening now with um, Longavi, it's amazing. So we've changed the model a little bit. So it was because Chile is quite commercial overall. And we found really amazing old vineyards in the more in the south of Chile. So it's a, it's a partnership between myself and a, a rock star winemaker, Julio Bijon. In, he's uh, crazy South like you. He's absolutely crazy just like you. That's one of the most innovative winemakers that I've met in my life. So it's just interesting. So in South Africa, old vineyard, um, we consider an old vineyard 35 years and older. And South Africa, we've just got 3,500 hectares of old vines. In Chile, they consider an old vineyard 75 years and older. And they've got 37,000 hectares of those old vines. Wow. So, so you must remember Chile was the only country, Chile and the Canary Islands, that wasn't um, hit by phylloxera in 1880. So you find pre-phylloxera vineyards that's older than 140, 150, 170 years. So the south of Chile is like the forgotten area at this stage. Uh, this is now, if I say south, this is like a thousand kilometers south of Cape Town. You find the Itata Valley and even more south, Biu Biu. So we've started with a project of really doing much more artisanal wines. That's called the Duke Range. And if you look at the label, you'll think, what the hell is this? But it's, I think sometimes we make wine so complicated, we must just remember we must drink the stuff. And so yes. this is all over than 75 years, old Pais. Do you know the story about Pais or not? I do, but you can tell my listeners about it. It's just fascinating. And if you hear these stories and if you love wine, so Pais is actually from Tenerife and Spain, where they call it the Mission Varietal. And it moved to the Canary Islands with the Spanish um, sailors or the ships. And um, from Canary Islands with seeds to, to Chile. So today you find this wild pais that's growing in the creeks. It's, it's amazing stuff. So we also got the pais salvaje, as we call it. It's a wild pais in um, Spain. And we found this old vineyard 114 years down in Itata Valley. And David, tell me, for those old, those ancient vineyards that you're speaking about, are they giving you reasonable yields to actually make your farming business viable? I mean, such an old vine. Are you getting enough grapes off that vine? Um, in Chile, because they're so disease-free, we definitely do. And what's, what's amazing, normally with these vineyards, you've got like 98% of the vineyard is normally in a good condition. 
and mm-hmm. with um, with with actually full of vines per hectare. So in South Africa, if you find old vineyards, it's already if, say they roughly about fifty, say sixty to seventy five percent still productive. In Chile, in these vineyards, they are in a beautiful condition. And it's mainly normally these guys would take it to the cooperatives and they will pay them two and a half to four thousand rand a ton. At least they farm for a for a brand now. So they put in much more effort and we've got long term contracts with these farmers. Um, and we do it hundred percent organically involved. Eh? So no pesticides, nothing. Yeah. Bring in material into soil. We've got this old <coughs> Glupsenso vineyard, hundred and forty four year old vineyard that they still bring still work with horses and by hand it's amazing i just wanted to let everybody know that both gloop and longovi are available in south africa how much of it are you bringing across to south africa for sale and is it doing well it's doing exceptionally well in south africa obviously it's more artisanal and you'll find it more in selected retail outlets uh, or otherwise directly online but um, there's six wines now that so we produce relatively small volumes of them. But there's a Pais, there's an old wine, Karingen, there's a Sinso, and then two new wines is a Naranju, an orange wine. Wow. Talk to me about that orange wine because I've been quite rude about orange wine, you know. No, if you, this is well made, sorry to say. So, uh, <laughs> makes a difference. Yeah, it's not that you just leave it and think it can oxidize and you ferment it with more flour. This is made from Muscat Alexandri. It's bone dry. And it, the most rated and most innovative wine in South America last year. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there's about 180 bottles available of that in South Africa because it's very small production. And then there's a new rosé that um, was kept in concrete for two years. So very artisanal old wine rosé. So we bring in about um, a container and a half of these wines into South Africa a year. So that would be in an order of about 12,000 bottles maximum. Well, do you know what I think we need to do? Uh, you and I need to coordinate. And the next time you're coming to, up to Johannesburg, give me a heads up because we do um, private tastings in the Biz News offices in Bryanston. And I know that there's a lot of people in my business community and, in fact, my Norman Goodfellows community that would love to have David Nevo host a tasting for us the next time you're up in Johannesburg. So I know that you're busy sorting out your harvest and getting that wrapped up and put to bed, but I do think we need to to make a plan so that we can get everybody tasting those South American wines. David, the other thing I wanted to ask you is I read somewhere, and you need to fill in all the spaces and connect the dots, is that you are now involved in a wine bar in the Cape. Talk to me. <laughs> it's probably not a, a, a wine bar, but it's also, again, that concept of uh, make wine a little bit more easy and not so intimidating for people. So um, me and Martin Lumbrax, amazing young winemaker, we've started Maras together about seven, eight years ago, and we've just open a, a beautiful little restaurant. It was actually meant to be a tasting room for Maras in Ribiak Ves, the Swatland. But yes. then the food offering was so spectacular that it became the the hot spot for the best little restaurant in the Swatland, in my opinion, by now. Oh, 
I'm so jealous. I want to be there for the weekend. I did not know that you were involved in Maras. I didn't know that. And I now know why I fell in love with the Trickster Sinso about eight years ago, and I've been using it at my house wine for the, for ever since. That Trickster Sinso is one of the nicest red wines in South Africa. And you had a Pinotage as well, and I haven't been able to find the Pinotage. Do you still make the Trickster Pinotage? Oh, yeah, I must say, um, Pinotage, so the Trickster um, Sinso, first of all, I just love that wine. It's just <laughs> sensational. Okay, chili, put it in the fridge for lunch when you don't want to have a, a white and you want a nice, refreshing, vibrant red. It's, it's, it's unheard of. You need two bottles, by the way, for lunch. You need a lot. That Trickster, and before you move on from Trickster Sinso, so everybody knows what to look for in the stores, it's got the most gorgeous, delightful label with a picture of a fox's face on it. Who came up with the Trickster? Was that also you, my Davy Dov? No doubt. I must admit that was Martin's idea. Was it? It's gorgeous. Yeah, Pinotage, we don't do the Pinotage anymore. Um, I think Pinotage people, they they used to bigger Pinotage style. So if you, that was supposed to be more a younger generation, more lively, vibrant Pinotage. But the Sinso was so popular that we've, we thought we'd just stop with the, with okay. the Pinotage. So in your, in your little wine bar and, and restaurant as well, you say, where exactly is it? It's, it's as you enter Ribiak Vest from the Ribiak Castile side. It's the okay. second boat on the left. You can't miss it. It's, um, so it's three kilometers from um, um, Ribiak Castile. So there's a lot of new activity in Ribiak Vest. Yes. Um, was also was always the amazing um, village, but that, that village was quite hit by COVID. So a lot of nice restaurants closed and... Um, so we were building through COVID basically and just opened it end last year. So it's an old heritage building that it's actually the old horse tables of Alice Falloir. So if you oh, pass wow. Alice in one building and the next one, you can't miss it. It's right on Main Road. I know you exactly where you mean. 50 to 60 people and it's just this most amazing food in the countryside and with great wine. Oh, brilliant. And then, David, last but not least, I mean, aside from all of this, as if you didn't have enough to do on your, your energy is boundless, you also vinify the wine for Driefontein. And how's that looking with the harvest? The same, the same as Cedarburg. Good. Not Driefontein, Driehook. That's right. Driehook. Sorry. Yeah, carry that. I know that was one of your, your favorite Shirazes in, in the country. It was. A small vineyard, eh? it's, it's five hectares, so they've got one hectare of Pinot Noir, two hectares of Sauvignon, and two hectares of Shiraz. And it's amazing, it's just eight kilometers from us. It's a little yeah. bit even cooler than Cedarburg, but they've got completely different soil types. And that's a beautiful thing about wine. They're eight kilometers from us, but it's completely two different styles. So the Sauvignon is more tropical, where our Sauvignon is much more citrus, mineral, and flinty. Then the Syrah, they get that that white peppery violet style. Yeah. We ate, that's more on, on coffee clip and sandstone. We our Syrahs are much more on shale and this red slate. So they're much more spicy, a little bit more clay content in our soil, so they're a little bit bigger, a little bit fatter, a little bit more concentrated. Yeah. The Drew Shiraz and the Sauvignon. 
they amazing wines and they're available now so they've got a new agent um or norman goodfellows um thanks for that is um, <laughs> um i've been helping so you can basically get it directly from from norman's now they've got the whole range it was really one of my favorite shirazes it's straight out of the rhone it is beautiful soft english violets and if anybody doesn't know what an english violet smells like I don't know where you're going to find some because I don't. I've got some in my garden, but I don't know if you get them readily in South Africa. It's the gentlest, most subtle, pretty smell that you'll ever smell. But then with this lovely, it's floral. It's not sweet. It's this florally sort of herbaceous violet smell, and with that twist of white pepper on the end, it is so ronish. And one of my favourite styles for Shiraz. And you cracked it. You got that one. Spot on, Mr. Nevo. That is one of the best Shirazes in the country. And I shouldn't be saying that while I'm having an interview with you about Cedarburg that we that we do really love and where you do produce perfectly outstanding wines. David, if I were to say to you, from this vintage, you've got one standout variety. What would you recommend that everybody goes and has a look at from the 2022 harvest once it's all in bottle? Um, between the two Sauvignons, I must say we had a phenomenal vintage for Cedarburg as well. But um, at this stage, I think the the unwooded Ghost Corner Sauvignon Blanc this year will be insanely beautiful. That is really one of, I can tell you, um, I haven't, they just finished fermentation, but they're on the next level. And that's really? the. I've, I've, it, it's it's normally you get that one or two spectacular batches or tanks, and then the the, the big batch is, is quite average. This year we've got everything on just an amazing level, Kerry. So it would be interesting interested to put that blend together. I must say I've tasted all those things yesterday, and it's it's exciting and things like I'm that. I'm so jealous. You've got the best part of your year coming up. And in fact, when you're doing it, phone me. If I can, I'm going to come down and spend a few days with you and do some of those blends. Oh, it is the best thing in the world to do, guys. If you've never been in the in the company of a master like David Nivot when he's busy putting his final selection of wines together, and especially if you've got the body and bulk of your wine from a vintage that is spectacular. I can't wait. If, 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 they, if they're in the Cape or up on, in the mountains, we've got a beautiful... We've got this fantastic accommodation spot. It's all four-star self-catering, and people must pop in at the cellar and ask for me or ask for John or somebody at the tasting room. It's always nice to show people. That's fantastic. I'm going to see if, maybe I shouldn't say this on air, but I'm going to see if I can um, inveigle you into having some of your product in the Biz News Digital um, shop where it sits next to very clever share portfolios and all those kind of fancy things. But we'll talk about that later. And with with the um, shelf space in the in the Biz News digital shop comes exactly that um, an opportunity for Biz News community to go and plug into accommodation and tasting and hiking and trailing because I know you do all kinds of things at Cedarburg. It's a most extraordinarily beautiful farm. So, David, thank you once again for being the star of the show. You really, really are. Good luck with the rest of your harvest. And I'm going to I'm gonna phone you and hound you. You and I have got a couple of things that we need to do in the next two or three months. 
This is a great pleasure. Yeah, so we've got a lot of work today that we must. It's it's one thing with wine you can't fall behind. Eh? You must always keep on track. So thanks for chatting to you, Kelly. Um, it's always amazing. Thank you, and, my darling. Thank you for making time in one of your busiest times of the year. I know that. So good luck and thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye.